Just join me in giving Jesus some praise this morning. Give him some love. Yeah. I thought this was the 11 o'clock service. You guys sound like the 8 o'clock service. Man, alive. Uh, thank you so much for being here. My name is Adam Harold. My adorable wife, Tanya, and I have the privilege of leading this community called The Refuge Together. We are a team. We co-pastor. She leads with me, and I lead with her, and uh, we just believe that the, the church of God needs to, be a, has, needs to have a father's voice and a mother's voice, and so um, we do that together, and uh, it is so much fun. Um, this weekend is Veterans Day weekend, so um, I want to say thank you so much for those that have served in our military uh, in some capacity. Thank you so much for uh, for your service to our country. Uh, we want to honor you today. Make sure that if you have a veteran along with side of you that you give them a pat on the back, a kiss on the cheek, a hug, whatever is appropriate. Uh, maybe take them out to lunch if you want to. You missed your opportunity to take them out to, for free appetizers yesterday. Uh, yesterday was, was Veterans Day. Um, some of you, so my brother-in-law used to attend this service. So like this service knows him pretty well. Um, he is now in Texas um, but he was, he was in Maine for a year, and a little over a year, and uh, I swear he joined the Marine Corps just so that he could get free appetizers on Veterans Day. <laughs> Promise you. Um, and uh, he, he texted us earlier, and he was so excited. He was taking his daughter out to get free appetizers uh, all day yesterday. They, and, like, he sent us the schedule, like, 8 a.m., we're going to hit up IHOP, and, and, and 11 a.m., we'll, we'll hit up, like, it was just so funny. He, he plots out a plan. It is better than Halloween and Thanksgiving and Christmas combined. It is, like, it is absolutely incredible. So I just got to uh, give Ray some love today. He is, um, yeah, he's, he's, he's a great, great guy. Today, we are in week five of a six-week series that we're calling The Prodigal. It is, um, normally we do four or three weeks, uh, but, but today we're in week five, so we're like over what we normally do. And the reason we usually stick to three or four weeks is because I have some undiagnosed ADD and um, I, I can't really stay focused on, on a topic for six weeks unless I absolutely love the topic. The prodigal son is my favorite Bible story. And so b- because it's my favorite Bible story I'm, and I love it, then I'm able to focus on it and able to, to do it for six weeks. And so that's why we're, uh, we're in week five of a six-week series. Um, Jesus is telling three stories known as parables. By the way, this story is found in Luke chapter 15. You can turn in your Bibles. You can follow along in your, in your cell phone. You can also follow along in the YouVersion Bible app if you have that. Our screens tell you how to find all of today's notes. You can follow along with all of them this morning. Um, the prodigal son is a parable, meaning that it's a fiction story that Jesus tells to communicate a heavenly truth. It's a, there's, there's, and the truth is, is that there are many truths found in the story of the prodigal son. In week one, now I realize that we have some people in this service, especially that um, haven't been to the previous four weeks. And so I want to do a good, uh, kind of a good recap of, of, 
everything that we've talked to up until this point. Week one, we talked about the whole reason Jesus is telling this story, starting in verse one. And the reason Jesus tells the story is because there was a group of religious people known as Pharisees that came to him and they were complaining. What was their complaint? Their complaint was that Jesus eats with sinners and tax collectors, like he hangs out with them. How in the world could Jesus, who claims to be the Son of God, associate with such awful people? And so he tells them these three stories. The first story is the lost sheep. You know the story about how the shepherd has a hundred sheep and one gets lost. And Jesus leaves the 99 to go after the one. We, and, and then the second story that he, Jesus tells is the story of the woman that loses a coin. And all of this is re, in response to the complaint that Jesus receives sinners and tax collectors. Well, our big idea, and every week I communicate, I try to communicate one big idea, one point for you to take home with you. The one big idea for week one was rejoice, Jesus receives sinners. You see, these Religious people were complaining that Jesus received sinners. Sounds like religious people, doesn't it? He was comp- they were complaining that Jesus received sinners, and Jesus' response was, hey, you shouldn't be complaining that I received sinners. You should be rejoicing that I received sinners, because if you looked in the mirror lately, you're a sinner. I don't know about you, but that hits, hits home to me, right? I'm a sinner. I should rejoice that Jesus received sinners. In week two, we finally started talking about the prodigal son. And um, we said that the prodigal son slaps his dad in the face by saying, Dad, I want my share of your property now. I wish you were dead. I want my inheritance now. And this we'll talk about later today, but this takes place privately in the close quarters of their home. And our big idea in week two was that God grants us freedom, even the freedom of rejecting his love. The truth is, at the end of today, we can all walk out of here, and some of us can leave here receiving God's love and and rejecting God's love. You have a choice every single day of your life to either receive God's love or reject God's love. Week three, we talked about how the young boy that had just slapped his dad in the face, got his inheritance, goes into a distant land, finds himself amongst pigs, starving because he's spent all of his money and a famine comes to land. And in the midst of the famine, he lies there with the pigs starving and he gets desperate, not because he wanted to restore his relationship with his dad or because he's broken his heart of, the heart of his father, but because he's hungry, he gets desperate. And he comes up with this speech. The speech concludes, involves three things. It says, I'm going to go home and I'm going to say to my father, number one, I've sinned against heaven and you. Number two, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Number three, take me on as a hired servant so that I can pay you back. And so the problem is, as he comes up with that, he goes, oh, wait a minute. There's this ceremony that's waiting for me when I get home called the Kazaza ceremony. And 
if I get home and they find out that I've wasted my money amongst the Gentiles, what they'll do is they'll throw clay pots at my feet and they'll yell, you have been cut off from this community. They cut him off. But he believes this speech is enough. And he says, you know what? As long as I can pay my dad back, I'm willing to face the community that cuts me off. Our big idea from week three was that God's desire for us is that we would be sons and not servants. He's not just looking for, he's not looking for people to become servants of God. He's looking for people to become sons and daughters of God. Week four was last Sunday, and we talked about how what Dr. Kenneth Bailey calls in his book, The Cross and the Prodigal, which, by the way, is where I get a lot of the information for the prodigal son story. Um, he's, he calls it, in this particular chapter, the shattering confrontation. Now, one of the things that we talked about was that how what was shattered was not the relationship with the father and son, but it was the relationship of, or it was, it was what cultural normally said would happen. He shatters culture because Jesus came to bring an upside down kingdom. And those that are his sons and daughters live up, right side up in his upside down kingdom. And the whole world looks at us living in this upside down kingdom like we're crazy because we get to live right side up. Are you guys with me today? Amen. Yeah? All right. It's 11 o'clock. I know Dave's with me. Um, so our big idea last Sunday was that true repentance hands over all control to the father. You see, when the son got home, the father jumps off the porch and he runs to him and he sees he sees the, uh, the love that the father has for him. He goes, wait a minute, I don't have to pay my dad back. He still loves me. And so he drops the part of the speech where he says, I'll work for you. I'll pay you back. And so he hands over all control to his dad. Because when we come to God to, in, a, in a restored relationship, we say to him, God, this, is, this relationship is on your terms, not mine. I can never pay you back for it because his love is so great. This morning, we're going to pick up in verse 22. Now, the son has just finished the speech, and the father doesn't say, say anything to the son, but he looks to the servants, and this is what he says. Before we read it, let's ask God to join our conversation. You thought I was going to read the scripture, didn't you? You thought I was going to forget. Let's pray. Father, I love you so much. God, I know that you are worthy of every ounce of who I am. Father, I, I thank you for your love for me. God, it's a love that I'm unworthy of, but it's a love that you freely give. And as I accept the love of your, uh, your love and, and, and the sacrifice of your son, God, you make me worthy of that because of Jesus, not because of me. So, Father, I, I pray that as your un, 
worthy servant stands with your with this microphone in his hand that you would use him to speak your your love and your truth. God, I love you. I give you this day in Jesus name. Amen. Verse 22. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring me the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf that we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and is now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working, and when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants, what was going on? Verse 27, your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry, and he would not go in. His father came out and begged him. Now, last week, we talked about the significance of all three things that the father says to the servants. Quick, go and get me a robe, a ring, and sandals. Go get me those three things. We talked about the significance of each one. The robe, we said, was significant because... um, it signified that the son was in right relationship with the father. But I want you to know this morning, last week we said that it would play a part into the party because this morning I want our main thing to focus on is I want to focus on the party today. So I hope, it seems like you're kind of tired today. I don't know what's going on, but I hope you're ready to party because we're going to talk about the party today. The significance of the robe at the party is that as the guest walked into the party, they would immediately be able to look at the son and say, oh, I thought, I thought him and his dad were fighting. I thought, there was, I thought they had some beef with each other. Like, they must be getting along now all of a sudden because they see the robe that the son has on. The robe is significant and I believe that the robe is a picture of, of baptism for the believer. When people walked in, they saw that the son was in right relationship with the father. When we get baptized in water, people see that we have a right relationship with the father. Baptism is so important for the believer So if you're interested in being baptized, you've never been water baptized, our next baptism service is on Sunday, um, the first Sunday of 2024. So last year, uh, New Year's Day was on a Sunday. And I was like, man, I know it's New Year's Day. I don't know about like, I don't know who's going to come to church. So I just, I, I just kind of thought about ways that we could, um, could make it unique and different. And I was like, God gave me this idea of having baptisms on the first Sunday of the year, because what better day to get things right with God than on the first Sunday of the year? And so, um, so that's we're taking a break for the colder months because this is the rhythm that we established when we were in the high school and we were doing baptisms outside. And so, we're taking a little bit of a break, and we'll 
uh, do baptism the first Sunday of 2024. And so if you want to put it on your robe, then sign up for baptism. You can do that in our Next Steps room, which they'll open up after service. Um, or on the way out, there's a sign that says baptisms. Scan the QR code and sign up. Or go to refugemain.church slash baptisms and you can sign up there. The signet ring was the second thing. Last week, we said that um, the ring was important because it, it signified trust, that the Father has trust in the Son. This is really important. He trusts the Son again. If you want to learn more about that, you can go to uh, the website and listen to last week's message. The sandals were also significant because sons wear sandals, servants wear, go barefoot. The, the slaves would, would have bare feet. And so the, son, the sandals even say that my son is in right relationship with me. So today we're going to look at the party. The last four words that we just, uh, the last four words of last week's message was, so the party began. So the party began. I asked last Sunday an important question when we left. The question was, do you remember it? Who is the party for? Did you look into that this week? I hope you did. As we look into that this morning, it's important that we go back to the first part of the chapter because we learn through the other two stories that Jesus tells, we learn who the party's for. The first story was about a shepherd who loses a sheep. Verse 6 of Luke 15 says this. When he arrived, when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. So each story has a party in it. The party with the shepherd who found his sheep, who is it for? Who? Is it for the sheep? Because they, because they know that they have wool for their clothes now and they don't have to be cold in the months of December, January, February, March, April. April? <laughs> if it's in May, if it's in Maine, right? They're, they're happy that they've got wool for six months out of the year, it seems, right? They're, they're going to be warm. No, it's not for the sheep. He says, rejoice with me, the shepherd. The story, the first story, the party is for the shepherd. Look at the second story. It's about a woman who loses a coin. Verse 9, and when she finds it, she will call her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. Who's the party for? The woman, right? It's not for the coin, although we do throw parties for money. Come on, let's be, let's be honest. We like money. We use our money to throw parties. But the party's not for the coin. The party's for the woman. And so we get to the story of the lost son. Who do you think that party is for? Is it for the son that was found? It's for the father. Because the Father has found the Son. Which brings me to today's big idea. 
my one big point for today. It is this one thing. When someone receives Jesus, we do not celebrate the person. We celebrate the Savior. When someone comes into relationship with a God that loves them so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die for them. He did all the work to do the rescuing. We don't celebrate the person, even though we prayed for that person to come to know Jesus. We poured out our heart for them. We, we took them to coffee. We, we put in time. We wanted them to come to Jesus. But it's not about the person. It's never about the people. It's always about the God that loves the people. This is so important for our church culture. We must understand that we don't celebrate people. People today even have come up to me and said, Pastor Adam, that was a great message. And I'm like, okay, thank you. Like, it's not about me. And people, I think it annoys people, to be honest. They're like, Adam, I'm trying to give you a compliment. I'm like, okay, give me a compliment. I'm going to give it back to Jesus. Like, it's... It's all for him. Everything that happens in our church is for him. Because let me tell you, if you're serving on Sunday to please this guy, you're going to quit. But if you're doing it to serve the one that loves you so much, you're going to say, when can I do it again? The party we have to understand is for the Savior. It's not just important for our church culture, but it's also important for our story. Because if you don't understand who the party's for, you miss who the older brother is in the story. You miss everything about the older brother. The word in our translation this morning is the word older a lot of translations translate that to be elder. The word elder in the Greek is the word prospun. Wait, hold on, let me say it. You ready for it? Presbuteros. That, I said it better this service than any other services. Presbuteros. It is translated elder, but what's important is that it is also the same Greek word that is used to describe the elders in the church. It is also the same Greek word that is used to describe the scribes in the Pharisees. So according to the original language, it is, in, it is almost impossible to miss who the older brother represents. He represents the Pharisees that Jesus is telling the story to in response to how they or what they're accusing him of, eating with sinners and tax collectors. And the older brother is their representation in the story. There's no question who he is. Verse 25, because we have to look at what the older brother is doing in the story Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. Now, I have, to, I have to point something out important here. 
When I picture the older brother working in Bible times, I picture him, I don't know, walking behind an oxen with a plow, right, being covered in dirt. But I don't know if you've picked up on this, but this family is rich, like a lot of rich. They got a lot of money. Homeboy doesn't need to be walking behind some oxen. In fact, he's the one in the field that are telling the servants what to do. I picture him sitting and standing in the field under, under the tree like this, like just, like just, just probably a piece of wheat hanging out of his mouth, right? Hey, you missed a spot? I don't know what they're doing, but you missed a spot. And so he's the foreman. He thinks he's very important because he has servants that he's telling what to do, and he's their, their boss. Verse 25 continues, and when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of his servants what was going on. Picture with me a young man, probably, I'm guessing 25 to 35, I don't know, um, walking home after being the foreman in the field, and he's feeling pretty important, and he walks up and he hears music, and the Bible says he hears dancing. Now, let me ask you a crazy question. How do you hear dancing? Like, I, I could, like, do some dance moves up here and say, did you hear that, right? I could do some dance moves up here and say, did you hear that? But I can't dance, so. But you can't hear me dance either. You don't hear dancing you hear people dancing. And this is why it's important to point that out. Because the people that are coming to the party have already arrived. And what was the older brother doing? Bossing people around out in the field, feeling important. He wasn't where he was supposed to be. He should have been at home with the father Waiting for the son's return. Because last week, remember, we talked about how the father went out every day looking for the port, looking for the brother to come home. He should have been home waiting for the son to come home. He should have been with his dad who was brokenhearted because his brother was so far away. But he was in the field doing the work, serving his father. And he misses the party. He misses the guest's arrival. He's supposed to be there. So what does he do as he walks up and he hears music and dancing? He sees what our translation says is a servant, and he calls him over and says, what is going on? But the problem is with the translation, the word servant, you see, Luke chapter 15, verse 26, is one of the most interestingly translated scriptures in the Bible, in my opinion. Because what Dr. Bailey points out in the book is that this word servant is the word pais. The word pais can be translated as servant, but it can be also translated as little boy or child or girl. 
And for some reason, my mind, I, I don't know much Spanish. I know poquito Spanish, right? But my mind goes to Spanish because sometimes Spanish is translated better than English. And I think of the word niños or niñas, little kids. And they're outside because they're punks and they're not allowed in the party. Because little boys aren't allowed in the party. But servants are. Servants are not only allowed in the party, they are required to be in the party. So this ain't no servant that the older brother is talking to. This is a little boy. And it's important to point that out because these are the same punk kids that would have been waiting for the kazaza ceremony for the younger brother. They were waiting in town. They were just licking their chops going, I can't wait to throw this clay pot. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it right in front of him. He's going to trip and he's going to fall and it's going to be hilarious. And they're punk kids. And they witnessed the father leaving the porch for the younger son, pouring out his, his love for him. And as he hikes up his gown, exposing his undergarments, for everyone to see, these same little boys are looking at the father and they're probably pointing at him and laughing at him. And those are the boys that he goes to. And he says, what's going on inside? So what do they say? Verse 27. Your brother is back. He was told, remember, he should be on the porch with the father. He should know his brother's back. Your brother is back, he was told, and the father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. If this is a servant, he is saying, my master has killed the fattened calf. Instead, he says, your father has killed the fattened calf. But look at what he says about the father killing the calf. We celebrated for his safe return. The younger boy is essentially pointing out to the older brother who represents the Pharisees who are complaining that Jesus receives and even eats with sinners and tax collectors. Jesus is saying in this story, your father is sitting and eating with a notorious sinner and tax collector. And he's saying because that's what God does. He welcomes notorious sinners that are wretched, that are terrible people. Every single one of them, the only sin that separates us from God is the rejection of the Father's love. I don't care if it's doing awful things with children. I don't care if it's murder. I don't care if it's I could say some pretty awful things because people do some pretty terrible, awful, disgusting things because we're people. And God welcomes us all into his kingdom. He prepares a table in the presence of my enemies. The people that I hate, 
that I'm supposed to sit across from the table with. And I'm supposed to say, I love you and I serve you. The story of the prodigal son slaps the face of religious perception that says that I must be perfect to be in God's presence. The only thing that says I cannot be in God's presence if I don't accept his love. He loves you because you are a son and a daughter, not because of what you look like or what you do or how you dress. But in what the young boy says to the older brother, we see the posture of which the father receives the son. You see, the translation that we use says safe return. Other translations say because he was received, he has received him with peace. With peace. If the father hadn't received the son with peace, the older brother would run inside and say to his dad, before his younger brother is in the house, he would say, Dad, don't let that punk kid come in this house until he goes and gets a job and he pays you back because I need my capital. Because what we miss is that the, the, the younger brother has spent the capital of the older brother. And everything that the younger son goes on to spend will be a part of the older brother's inheritance. So he's mad. And he, said, and he would run and he would get there before the younger brother is allowed to come in the house. Dad, don't let him in until. It's kind of what the Pharisees are saying to Jesus. You shouldn't be eating with sinners and tax collectors. They shouldn't be welcome in your, in your presence. But the father, according to the younger boy, has already received the younger son. And because, and he's not just received him, but he's received him with peace. And this explains the anger and the wrath of the older brother. So many people say things like, how in the world could God forgive that person? But the truth is that God receives all of us. For certain people, grace is not only amazing, but it is also infuriating. It makes us mad that God would receive other people that do some awful things. Verse 28. But the older brother was infuriated. It says angry, but I'm going to use the word I already used. He was infuriated. And he wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. This verse tells us so much. Because you see, culturally, if the party is for the father, then the older brother has some responsibilities. Some of those responsibilities would include being the maitre d', if you will, the host of the party. He would be the head servant, telling the, the servants when to go get the chicken and when to go get the, you know, the, the different things and to bring them into the party. And um, 
he would interact with a guest. He would have conversation with them. He was a key part of the party, but he's missing. He's not there. Think about who would be present at the party, the people in the town. But guess who else is a guest at the table? The younger brother. So the question is, will the older brother take on his responsibilities and go serve his younger brother who has hurt him? There are times in the house of God that we must look at people that have hurt us and say, let me help you. The only way that we can do that is if we're in right relationship with the father. Because if the older brother is in right relation with the father, he knows how much the dad loves him and he knows how much he wants to be there for the younger brother. And so he's willing to do it on behalf of the father, not on behalf of the older younger brother. Sometimes there are people in our lives that the only way we can serve them is if we draw from the love of a father, not from the love of us. question is, will the older brother serve his younger brother? Verse 28 tells us that he will not. He won't go in. And for the second time in the same story, the father who represents Jesus puts on the incarnation and the atonement of God. The incarnation is when Jesus left heaven to come to earth. The atonement is when Jesus hung on the cross for our sin. In the first part of the story, the younger son, the father jumps off the porch and runs, hikes up his gown and runs, taking on the incarnation by leaving the porch and putting on the atonement by running to the son. For the second time in the story, the same father does the exact same thing because he left his party. You see, for the younger son, the father leaves the porch. For the older son, the father leaves the party. Let me explain it to you this way. How many of you, when your family throws you a birthday party or a party in your honor, how many of you, as your friends come and gather at your house, how many of you go and get the pizza? I, I like pizza parties, evidently, right? How many of you leave and go get the cake? You don't do it, do you? Someone else does it for you, why? Because the party's for you. If you do it, the people are gonna get up and leave. Why am I here? Well, guess what? The father leaves his own party. And when he leaves his party, he slaps all of his guests in the face saying, my son is more important than you are. 
The problem with the older brother is that his sin is public. The breaking of the relationship with the father is public. The younger brother, what happened behind closed doors? Dad, I think I want my, my, my inheritance now. But because he doesn't go to the party, he slaps his dad's face in front of everybody. And here's what I think this is telling us. I think this is telling us that when we are legalistic, thinking that we can earn our salvation by reading the right Bible, by cutting our hair the right way, by wearing the right clothes, a tie or a dress or whatever it is that we have to do in order to be saved. Whenever we take on that posture, we are publicly saying, God, we're more important than you are because we can work out our own salvation. But God says, no, that's not the way it is. I love you just because you're my son, because my son Jesus already did everything he could to rescue you. We won't be a church with a religious spirit because that slaps the face of God. So the question that I want to end with today is this. How will the older brother respond to the father's love? Will he act as the younger brother already has with repentance and rejoicing that the father has received him? Or will he continue to try to work out his own salvation based on how good he is? We'll talk about that next Sunday. Stand to your feet. I want to pray with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm so glad you came to church today. Are you glad you came to church today? All right. I'm glad some of you are. We're going to sing one more song. But... The question for you today, we're going to open our doors on my right, your left. Um, the question for you today is how will you respond? Maybe another question for you is which, which son do you identify with? Are you the son that, that comes, comes home and just says, Dad, I'm so glad that you received me as your son? Or are you the son that's trying to work things out? trying to be good because I want you to know I've got really good news for you. You can never be good enough. Pastor Adam, I thought, I thought you said good news. That is good news because you don't have to continue to do anything. You simply must receive the love of the Father. Rejoice that he has found you. If you want to receive that love today, I want to invite you to say this prayer with me. Believe it in your heart. Say, God, I know that I've messed up. I know that my relationship with you is broken because I've messed up. God, I ask that you would come into my life by the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross for me. Father, give me new identity in you. Help me to, to figure this out because, God, I really don't know what I'm doing, but I know that I need you. Come into my life.
In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you said that prayer, we want to rejoice with you as we celebrate the Father together. To do that, we just ask that you stop by Next Steps, maybe drop something in the, in the black box on your way out. Say, thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad that this is the last service. Have a great day.